we firmly believe like if you're thriving personally at outside of the workplace, you're going to thrive in the workplace and you're going to show up. <laughs> you're going to produce, you're going to be productive, you're going to be efficient. That works for everyone. It works for you as the individual. It works for us as a business. And I believe also as for society as a whole, because you're working contributing to the economy, you're taking care of your family, you're flourishing, all of that's good for everyone. Welcome everyone to the Liberty Ventures podcast. My name is Alexander McCobin. I'm the founder and CEO of Liberty Ventures. And as a reminder to everyone listening, our purpose is to build the ecosystem of values-aligned business leaders, investors, executives, and entrepreneurs who are committed to a freer and more prosperous future and helping them scale their businesses in order to scale their impact in the world. Today, I am really excited to talk with an old friend who's doing amazing things, Joe Ketter with Grayston Bakery, who has a rich uh, background himself and is doing incredible things for open hiring as a concept that if you haven't heard of, I can't recommend enough, and I hope some people start testing out after this. But Joe, instead of me uh, reciting your resume, let me turn it over to you. I always like to start by asking for you to share your story, not only what you're doing now, but what's led to who you are and what you're doing today. Yeah. Well, first, Alexander, it's good to be with you. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited to talk to the uh, Liberty Ventures audience. So uh, thank you for this opportunity. Um, yeah. So you mentioned Grayston Bakery, but just so folks know, we're actually a hybrid social enterprise. So there's Grayston Bakery, which is our for-profit uh, business. And most folks may not know the name, but they've always, uh, I'm sure they've had the product in one shape or form. Uh, we make the brownie inclusions that go into Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Uh, you might see us in Kava, you might see us in Whole Foods, but we're also owned by uh, Grayston Foundation, which I'm over, um, that really wants to use Grayston as an Grayston Bakery as an incubator for that concept you mentioned called open hiring. And that's the hiring uh model that we use to bring in our bakery apprentices. And it's a no questions asked form of hiring. Uh, all folks have to do is put their name on a job list. And when they're the next person on the list, they're the next person to get the job. No questions asked, no background checks or interviews like that. Um, and we just want to use the bakery as that incubator to take to and export, if you will, to other businesses to apply it to their operations, whether they're a, a manufacturer like us, whether they're in retail, like the body shop or a distribution center, uh, we believe that it opens a door to, of opportunity to folks that um, have been excluded, as our founder would say, from society. Uh, and that's one piece of our mission. And the other piece is really working with folks that have barriers to employment to either get them employed at the bakery or get them trained in other emerging fields so that uh, they too can experience the American dream um, by whatever definition that means for them. Some may go on to bigger and better things within our bakery, but they may go on to other things um, in society. But our, our role, we believe, is to just bring folks into the economic mainstream, which is what our founder wanted. And for me, you know, this has been a journey, uh, a long journey of uh, being in corporate America, working for Wall Street firms, uh, working in government. Uh, for me, it's always been about, you know, what can I be a part of? I think that's what most folks, and particularly in your audience, are asking is, you know, how can I lend my God-given talents to, yeah, make money, make a business stronger, whether I'm the founder or whether I'm a part of a business, but really I want to go beyond that. And we're both conscious capitalists. We, we want, we see a higher purpose to our business our businesses. It's not just, you know, making the widgets or providing a service, but 
how can we, you know, as our other friend uh, Paul Pullman says, be a net positive to society. So as we're providing that business or service, we're contributing in some way, shape, or form, wherever your lane is, whether it's the environment, whether it's another social issue, but how can we raise the level, uh, raise humanity in, in what we're doing? And, you know, that's been my journey, and it's been a great one. And, you know, I could not have designed a better job description than where I am. Joe, we've known each other for years, and I just love open hiring as a philosophy and as an HR practice. And one of the things I love about what you're doing with this is showing that to be a conscious capitalist or to be a purpose-driven business, it's not just about the product or service that you sell. It's not just about having something that is make, necessarily making people healthier or is saving the environment. You know, the brownies are delicious. I love them to death. They're not exactly the healthiest option for you, though. <laughs> but what you're doing with Grayston and Open Hiring is providing a platform to make people's lives better through giving them even a first chance, really, in the way that this is structured. And I'd love for you to expand on that and why that's a driving philosophy over at Grayston so that other people can understand that more. Yeah, and and you touched on a on a big one of our taglines is you know we don't hire people to bake brownies we bake brownies to hire people and that focus is on the people and again it goes back to you know Simon Sinek you know going back to your why of why you're in business and Bernie started this business uh, and this concept he didn't even call it open hiring that's it wasn't about open hiring per se it was about you know seeing so many folks on the streets, whether they're the formerly incarcerated, and we're going back to our history is 41 years. We started in 1982. He would see people on the streets, whether they're homeless, whether they're formerly incarcerated, they were home, um, public assistance, or whatever it might be, they were not included in society. And as he said, people had forgotten about them. They had excluded them. And he had a business at that time. And at the time, we were baking cakes and tarts for like high-end restaurants. He would bring in folks that really had no other hope. <laughs> and that was his whole concept. How can I give people hope? That was his why. And I, I have a business. I'm baking cakes and tarts. Let me teach you a trade that you may be able to parlay into something else down the road, whether you stick with me or whether you go somewhere else. But let me be that seal of approval when you're going for that next job. And I could say, you know what? Alexander did a great job for us. You should hire him. That's what it was really all about. Yes, we make amazing products, but at the end of the day, the product for us is, is a means to an end. Uh, I want to provide a great product for Ben & Jerry's, Unilever, Whole Foods, you know, Kava, whoever it might be. Uh, but really at the end of the day is we want to provide that opportunity for an employment opportunity. Not a promise, like any other business, if you're not going to perform uh, and adhere to the standards of professionalism and you know goods and manufacturing practices. But... If you can do that, you are going to be successful. Uh, if you've resolved to do all of those things, you are going to be successful, whether it's with us or somewhere else. But our goal is to give you that opportunity and that entryway into the what I say is the economic mainstream. So let's break this down for everyone to be really clear about what open hiring is. So there are no background checks. There are no interviews. There isn't even an application process at the part of this, right? Yeah. And, and, and I should say, you know, the... 
no background checks. The open hiring applies to the bakery apprentices. So everybody else, including yours, truly, we go through what you call the traditional employment process. And I joke sometimes I had more interviews than I think I had in my life when I worked for, when I came to work for Grayston. But that's it. And and, and again, I want to be very clear with folks. It sounds very simple, but you know, we both know this is a very radical concept for business to even think about, you know, forget about implementing it in, in, in real life. But it's it's just that. I mean, you can even go online, grayston.org backslash open hiring jobs, and you can add your name to our open hiring list. We're not hiring at the moment. I think we have just under 700 people on the waiting list. But you add your name to the list. And when we do call in people for uh, production, and at the time we would call in about, you know, 10, 20 at a time, depending. But if your name was next and you got the call, and you are available, and you report for orientation, you're hired. And that begins your first day on the job. And as you were saying before, it's not that you're guaranteeing your job for people when that happens. They are held accountable for it. And I, I remember when I visited Grayston years ago, the point was emphasized that you fire quickly still. If people do not meet the, their responsibilities and expectations, they lose the job. You're just giving them a chance and not go, putting them through the rigmarole of several interviews and putting a lot of HR investment into vetting people before you give them that chance. Exactly. And I, and I like to emphasize that the HR aspect of this, because I really f believe that this, it, you know, it's not, yes, it's open hiring, but at the end of the day, when you really break it down, it's actually just good HR. So yes, we bring in folks that may have, you know, challenging backgrounds for most uh, employers, whether it's English as a second language, as I said before, formerly incarcerated people that might have substance issues or even homeless. We deal with them on both the foundation and the bakery. We bring in those folks with those challenges. But as you said, I like to say it's a cost reallocation um, instead of spending money on, you know, keeping folks out with the background checks and the time spent on e interviews and things like that. We're going to reallocate those costs to training, um, to having a social worker on staff so that we can help address some of those issues that mitigate the negativity in your life. Because we firmly believe like if you're thriving personally at outside of the, the workplace, you're going to thrive in the workplace and you're going to show up. <laughs> you're going to produce. You're going to be productive. You're going to be efficient. That works for everyone. It works for you as the individual. It works for us as a business. And I believe also as for society as a whole, because you're working, you're contributing to the economy, you're taking care of your family, you're flourishing. All of that's good for everyone. And that's why I say it's a win, win, win. But making investments in your employees, you know, providing you know these you know, basically employee benefits so that they're successful, whether it's training, whether it's a social worker. Again, that's just good HR, uh, not necessarily something that should be unique to open hiring. And what I love about that, again, to keep emphasizing the meaning of conscious capitalism here is that you're not doing this just to help people out. You're making a business case for this, that you're able to save costs in one area of the business in traditional HR practices with the interviewing, the betting, the keeping people out and investing it elsewhere and hopefully actually saving money in the process by having a better HR practice for these roles. And absolutely. And and at the end of the day, again, think of the customers that we have here. You know, we're selling our brownies online. So you and the members of your audience, you can purchase those brownies and they're very delicious. But we're working with Ben and Jerry Unilever, we're working with Whole Foods. These have got to be quality products. So at the end of the day, we still have to produce a good product. It still has to be high quality. People still have to want it and like it and enjoy it. 
But yes, we're also at the same time bringing in folks, and I, I do have to emphasize this, Alexander, we're bringing in folks that aren't even counted in the uh, official unemployment numbers. These are folks that have given up because they've been denied so many times in the past. We're giving them that opportunity. So again, a great product, again, indulgent. I used to work for Pepsi, so I know about indulgent products, but at the same time, we're bringing in folks who have been on the sidelines and we're now giving them that opportunity, that chance to really make something of their lives when so many times before they were just denied that. Some people listening might think that works well for Grayston and what you're doing with brownies and yonkers, but can this apply to other companies? And that's one of the things that you exist to do is to help other businesses implement open hiring. So I'd love for you to share a couple of other businesses out there that are also applying this to show that it's not just something for Grayston. Yeah. And, and it's also something you can customize too. And I'll talk about that a little bit. So I would say on, on the grander scale, uh, we've now been working with the body shop for the last, you know, since 2018, 2019, when they first piloted open hiring, and I would always suggest folks pilot it first and start small, they did it at a distribution center in North Carolina, about 300 opportunities that they were providing. They saw their turnover rate, and turnover meaning, you know, amount of people leaving your organization, because I know our European friends consider that revenue, but the, their turnover rate was cut by almost two-thirds after they started doing open hiring. So they were keeping people that they were bringing in through the seasonal work that they had at the time. Productivity went up 13%. So from a business standpoint, when you hear I'm keeping people, my turnover rate's going down, productivity's going up, but also the trust within the organization, uh, the people that were already there were just thrilled and actually proud to be a part of an organization that was doing this. Um, their trust went up and they felt proud to be a part of their organization. So from an employee engagement standpoint, even it was a positive, but really from that business productivity, that turnover, that was a positive as well. So they decided, you know, after 2019, they were going to roll this out to, you know, the U S and Canada retail and distribution. Um, and they continued to see the same results. And today I'm proud to say, it's in their distribution centers, body shops, distribution centers, and retail in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and U.K. And by the end of this year, they will probably have provided around 6,500 opportunities through open hiring, which is incredible. Uh, and we have others who've done open hiring light, I would say, it's particularly our smaller businesses. You might know Rhino Foods, another benefit corporation. Um, they make the cookie dough that goes into the Ben and Jerry's ice cream. They're doing what they would call inclusive hiring. Uh, so it may not be exactly the way Ben and uh, we do it at Grayston, but they're doing inclusive hiring. We've been talking to them for years. I have a janitorial service company in Rochester, New York, that's doing a version of open hiring. I like to call it inclusive hiring because it may not be exactly the way we do it. Some may focus on particular populations. Um, I know for a fact, you know, in Rochester, they're looking at, you know, the formerly incarcerated. And that's fine because a person with barriers to employment is a person with barriers to employment. I think it's a win-win when we can give an opportunity to anybody. So some of the smaller businesses that we work with, they might be doing a lighter version of it. But the, at the end of the day, if you can just take a look at your hiring practices and see how maybe it's just through inertia, maybe it might just be through your own, you know, biases, we all have them, you might be excluding people that are very good, that could be very good for your organization. Take a look at that 
and let's see how we can change that dynamic and change that narrative because it's going to work well for you. It's going to work well for that person you hire. And no, not every person's going to go through and be a success. That's not the point. The point is to take a look at our practices and see how we can open the door because literally this week, this past week, the Wall Street Journal is talking about some of these smaller businesses that have zero to 10 or zero to 20 employees still struggling to find people. Uh, we still have an unfilled uh, rate of jobs now that are one and a half times uh, the number of people that are officially unemployed. So clearly we're not doing something right and something needs to change. So we got to be bold and courageous and you know willing to think anew in terms of how we look at hiring and employment. And I actually do want to talk about the small business side or say the startup side of this because we've got a number of startups, a lot of startups in the Liberty Ventures ecosystem who might be wondering... How could I actually apply this in what we're doing and what does that look like? So with these small businesses, what are some of the ways that they are implementing it or tailoring it to their unique circumstances if they're not going to do just uh, the full open hiring implementation? But actually, before that, one thing I will say that I love about what you emphasize there is it sounds very much like having a startup mindset where you want to try lots of things and not just theorize what you should do, but go and experiment. Recognize sometimes that's going to fail, but you're going to get real world feedback as to whether someone is a good match or not, instead of just looking at a resume, looking at their background and saying they're not a good fit for especially uh, especially these kinds of positions that you should be able to trade at most anyone's. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the failure piece and I got to touch on that too. And like, let's just keep in mind through the traditional hiring process, we still have failure rate. Well, why? <laughs> we go through the interviews. We go through the background checks. We still, and, and I've been there even at, in my role at Grayston. We've gone through all that, and some people still don't work out. So let's not, I, and I don't want to say open hiring is the end-all, be-all. You're not going to have any bad apples. But again, that's not the point. The point is to look at how, what, how can we open up the process so that we have a larger pool of people from which to choose. But to get to your question about what do people need to do, what are some of the things that, you know, they have to change, uh, it varies depending on the the employer and the environment and where you are. And we always tell folks, you know, you know your organization better than I do. So there are going to be certain things that are going to be non-negotiables. So for instance, if you are a construction company or, you know, you're operating vehicles and things like that, clearly you're going to have to do drug tests. I would hope <laughs> that you're going to do drug tests when folks are operating, you know, dangerous equipment or driving. That's going to be something that's a non-negotiable for you. But how can you open up that process to others outside of the drug test? What are some of the other things, whether it's the degree requirement or whatever it might be, how can you open that up? Or it might be, and we've had a client like this as well, you know, they were very uncomfortable with, they liked open hiring, but what about sexual offenders? They've excluded that population from their process. Still inclusive hiring, but if you have that in your background, it may not work for you because you might be near a school or something like that. Those are non-negotiables. We want to customize it to folks based on the culture of their organization, where they're at, but what has to happen, Alexander, you've got to be invested in this and, and you've got to see people as investments and not just as another cog in the wheel. Like you want to pour into this process. You want to pour into your employees. If you're not there with that, I would suggest you hold off <laughs> until you get there. But if you are there, let's figure out where you can start. And I always say start small. You know, maybe it's, you know, one location or maybe it's a portion of your staff will go through the open hiring process. We want to be flexible. This is not a cookie cutter approach. 
again, at the end of the day, it's how do we open up the doors of opportunity to those who've been excluded that can support us and our businesses at the same time. So I really appreciate you pointing that out and want to dig a little deeper into that. You, Grayson has been doing open hiring for so long. Um, I actually, how old is Grayson at this point? And it's 41 years old this year. Congratulations. And, and so you've learned a lot about not only what works, but what doesn't work with this. So let, let's tease that out for everyone listening too. You just said you need to look at this as an investment and don't do it if you're not looking at it that way. What are some other mistakes people have made in the past, perhaps Grayson's even made with approaching open hiring that others can learn from? Again, I would say you might say it's unique to us, but uh, it's just a part of, you know, running, whether it's bakery manufacturing or any other business. I will say what what we did learn, and this is within the last 10 years, six to 10 years, we didn't always have the social worker on staff. Uh, And that was something that we learned over time as we were bringing in people. Look, this is a tough job, so I don't want to make it seem like it isn't. And it's monotonous. You're standing. It's 12-hour shifts. It's a tough job. It's not for everyone. But we were were finding out like a lot of people just weren't lasting beyond the orientation. Uh, And we just try to figure out why that was. And you start to find out you've got people sleeping cars. you got people that are dealing with substance issues and things that are just outside of our bailiwick that we just don't have that uh, expertise in. We developed a partnership. And this is what I would suggest to businesses, you know, develop a partnership with those who do have the expertise. So we were working with uh, one of the largest um, mental health uh, nonprofits in our in Westchester County, New York, which is where we're located, Westchester Jewish Community Services. And we now have a person through a memorandum of understanding who is full-time at our bakery, but not an employee. They're connected to the Westchester Jewish Community Services. We call them WJCS. And we have access to the clinics there. We have access to all of their expertise related to mental health and connections to other social services providers that support our employees, whether they need housing, whether it's a child care issue, whatever it might be, substance abuse issue, they can make those connections that support our employees. And we will work with you. And again, I want to make that clear. You mentioned fire fast. We try to work with you to as much as we can, but to the extent that it's just not working out, yeah, we will part ways. But the one thing that we did learn was we do need to provide the support to uh, our employees. It's really just another, um, we call it EAP, Employee Assistant Program. It's just a, a, a more robust program uh, to that. Uh, but again, wouldn't you want that for any employee? Any employer would want to have that for their employees to make sure that they're successful personally as well as professionally? So uh, every employer should want to provide that for people, but but especially for smaller businesses, uh, I imagine they they don't have to hire a social worker in order to support the, to support their employees in this program, right? Because that could be a barrier to implementing this. Not at all. And I think that's where, whether you're working with like a United Way or like a, we work with like a WJCS, that's where you need that connection to the nonprofits or another social enterprise that could support you as a small business owner. And maybe, you know, just thinking out loud, you know, get together as a collective small business uh, provider. I know they do this in Ohio. And I'm blanking on the company's name. I think it's Nehemiah Manufacturing, where they actually have a collective of folks that share the resource that provides assistance to their employees because they're smaller businesses and not everybody can afford to, to have that support. But you have that's the way you think creatively. That's that kind of entrepreneurial mindset. Like, how can we find support um, that can make sure that our employees stay engaged and are flourishing? 
Love that. Now, we've been focusing on the entrepreneurs, the management side of things, but we also have some listeners who are investors or maybe board members. And if they think this is interesting and want to introduce it to companies, what what would you recommend as a way that they start to do so or, or resources available to help them introduce this to other businesses? I would say reach out to us. I mean, we've got an Open Hiring 101 uh, webinar online. If you want to Google that, Grayston Open Hiring 101, you'll see that on YouTube. But really reach out to us. So we really, th- this is why we believe we exist. This is a core part of our mission in terms of, you know, supporting other businesses to really take that next step to be more socially conscious, but also be you know, strong entrepreneurs as well. Whether it's a product or a service, we want to help you engage and really bring those folks off the sidelines into the economic mainstream. So reach out and we'd love to engage with you. All right. So how can they reach out to you, Joe? Yeah. So just go to info at grayston.org and we'd be happy to uh, take it to the next level. Fantastic. Well, Joe, this has been a wonderful conversation. I love what you're doing and, and love you as you know. I, I think I know what your answer to this is, but I always like to also <laughs> ask, um, you know, I always tell people, if you want to build a relationship with someone, you want to learn something new, the best thing to do is reach out and offer to do something for them, to give value. And so if anyone here is listening and says, this is intriguing, they want to work with you, they want to learn from you, or they they just want to offer to do something to help you out that you would respond positively to say, this is exciting. What would that be? My three-part ask is, you know, there are many ways to participate with Grayston, and I would say it's buy, donate, replicate. And if you just go to Grayston.org, you can buy our brownies. That's a great way to support the organization and to support the amazing people that produce them day in and day out. But replicate the model. Uh, And like I said, engage with us. Just go to our website and we can start to engage that way. But I want to see more businesses. And sometimes it can just be one job. It doesn't have to be a whole uh, facility. And then it's donate, donate to our foundation because every, you know, every week we're training people here to get the tools and the credentials, nationally recognized credentials to engage and be a part of the workforce. So in any of those ways, buy, donate, replicate, uh, we'd love to engage, but it starts by going to Grayston.org. Fantastic. Joe, thank you for everything that you're doing, for being the amazing leader you are and for joining us today. And thank you, Alexander, for giving us this opportunity. You've been great as well. 